Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to day three of our EPL Roundtable Season Reviews. First joining us is Dave Hendrick, of course, regular contributor to this EPL Roundtable. You'll also know him from Anfield Index and All In Sports Talk. We're going to be talking a little bit Liverpool here, Dave. Talking about this 2015-16 season, what did you make of it on the whole? Um, bizarre roller coaster, uh, crazy. There's just so many words and none of them mean like boring or anything like that. Um, it started off, say, last summer with the you know disappointing news that Rodgers was going to keep his job. Um, we wasted some money on some poor players, and the season started, you know, hit and miss. We had a couple of good results. Then West Ham battered us at home, um, and then Rodgers got sacked, and Jurgen Klopp took over, and things have been, you know, in the league we have we've been hit and miss. We've had some great results. We've had some poor results. We've been really inconsistent. But what we've seen is a development of a, an actual style, an actual identity. Our players know what they're meant to do now. Our fans know what our team is about. They know what to expect. Um, it's not this raffle like it was under Rodgers where you could play four different formations in, in the one game like we did in the FA Cup semi-final last year against Villa. Um, we have a set way of playing and it's just a matter of getting the right players in to play that way and, you know, developing the players we have. And we've seen great development. Like, the biggest thing we can take from this season is not just that Klopp has implemented his style, it's the development of Emre Jean, Divock Origi, you know, Mamadou Sacco before the issues. He was developing well. Um, Alberto Moreno stepped on. Coutinho, Firmino, you know, all these players... Uh, really really taking a step forward and that's been huge and of course the biggest thing for us is Daniel Sturridge looking like he may have put the injury issues behind him um, and that's all credit to Klopp and his staff so all in all this has been I would say a good season um, not uh, not reflecting the league position obviously but if we win tonight as people listen and um, we're going to be in the Champions League next year we'll have won the Europa League, and you can't really argue with that. In your in the first season with a manager who didn't buy anybody in January, it's 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 very hard to argue that it's a good season. Like I can't see how anyone could suggest it's not a good season. Even if we don't win the final, it's a good season because we'll have gotten to two finals in the one season. We'll have put ourselves back on the map in Europe, and we won't have Europa League to distract us next season. And the last time we didn't have Europa League, we almost won the Premier League. And we've got a much better manager this year, and we're going to spend a lot of money this summer. All right, and if all of that culminated in one moment of the season for you this year as a Liverpool fan, what would it have been? The appointment of Jurgen Klopp. Um, you're talking about going from an absolute chancer who fooled everybody, including myself, early doors, 
to showing what exactly what he was made of last season um from him to an, a, a legitimately world class manager a guy any any club would take um you go down the list in the premier league and maybe maybe spurs are the exception but all arsenal fans would take him chelsea fans would take him united fans would take him city fans maybe not now because they're getting guardiola but at the time they certainly would have um, I think I think any club would would love to have Jurgen Klopp, and he's he's adored at Liverpool already. Yeah, obviously it was a terrific gift for you guys, and also it was a very big day uh, for you guys over at Infield Index. Massive, <laughs> yeah, because we were basically the ones that broke the news. Um, Graham Kelly broke the news first and foremost that Rogers was the one who was getting Rogers was getting sacked um, after the derby. He had that on like the Wednesday, I want to say, of that week that Rodgers was going to be sacked after the derby regardless of the results. Yeah, and everyone else was like in the big media was hemming and hawing saying it was it would be based on the results. So the fact exactly. that it came out before that was was very and said impressive. It. And then literally that night um we we did a couple of podcasts like reaction ones and Graham was on the first one with Gags who everybody who listens to this will know of um and Nina Kauser and he just came out and said he says look Ignore everything else you hear. It's Klopp. It's it's Jurgen Klopp, and uh, and it is. It's Jurgen Klopp, and you know we were we were able to, to break that, and it was huge for us as well. It kind of helped boost our numbers even further. You know, we were already the number one Liverpool, and probably I, I don't think there's any club that has a, a podcast, club specific podcast in the world that does the numbers AI does, and we certainly kicked on even further than after that. Yeah, definitely impressive stuff. Uh, you already talked about Klopp a little bit. We've been asking everybody what they think of their managers. Do you just want to... I love him. I love him. (laughs) I absolutely adore the man. Like he's, he's everything I want in a manager. He's, he's tactically decent, maybe not great, but he's decent. He plans really well. He puts trust in his staff. He's an incredible motivator. He's great man of management. When he speaks in the press, there's, there's honesty to it. But he's ruthless as well, and he will not put up with poor performances. He will not accept mediocrity. And for far too long now, Liverpool, you know, from a manager's point of view and from the fans' point of view, have been accepting mediocrity. It's not going to happen under Klopp. Um, the dross will be thrown out the door this summer. And uh, and there's, like if you're a Liverpool fan and you're not excited about having Jurgen Klopp, it's time to find a new sport. The, the guy is just he's everything we want yeah what, what's your take on how emotional he gets on the pitch some some I, people saying it's unprofessional some fans love it i love it because like the people that say it's unprofessional like their names are nigel they work in insurance and they they live in <laughs> basements and stuff like they're, they're just boring boring people and they're like they're too worried to go out in the sun because you know it might get skin cancer they're too worried to drink coffee because it might cause their heart to race you know, you need excitement in your life and you need to be able to show your emotions. If you're a football fan and you don't have an emotional connection, then what are you wasting your time for? Um, Klopp is like one of us on the touchline. He shows the emotion. And to be honest, if he tried to bottle it up, he'd probably explode. So it's it's just better that he does it his way. He's a breath of fresh air as far as I'm concerned. You already have the manager. You mentioned a little bit that you will need to strengthen some, especially if you are in the Champions League, uh, yeah. which, again, we'll find out 
tomorrow slash today, depending on when you're listening. But uh, what what which of those positions do you think are most needing uh, bolstering in the offseason? You already have a couple of things happening. Probably going to get uh, Markovic back on loan. We've already said Balotelli is basically not a Liverpool player at this point. You already uh, brought in, oh snap, the center back. Joel Matip from right. Schalke. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've signed Marco Grujic from Red Star Belgrade. So we, we know that we have three pretty much new players coming in. And Markovic, who was never given a proper shot under Rodgers. Grujic, who's an immensely talented midfielder. And um, Joel Matip, who's a, a decent centre-back. He's he's an upgrade on Skirtle. Um, he's better than Lovren. So he's, he's, he's a good centre-back to have. He's, for me, he's not top four quality. I wouldn't be looking at him as a long-term starter. He'll probably start next season because Sacco will be injured. Um, we need a goalkeeper desperately. Um, Mignolet just isn't up to it. Um, in, in his three seasons, we've conceded 149 league goals, which is pathetic. Um, in the first five seasons of Pepe Reina been at Liverpool, actually the first six seasons of Pepe Reina been at Liverpool, he, he conceded less goals combined. So uh, maybe the five, could have been five, I, I can't remember, but... Either way, Mignolet is not good enough. It looks like Loris Karios from uh, Mines is on his way. Um, 4.7 million is the rumoured fee. He'd be an immense signing. He's not the keeper I wanted. I wanted Timo Horn. But Karios is really, really talented. I think he's been voted goalkeeper of the year in the Bundesliga this year. Um, he's young. He's got huge potential. I think he's going to be a good signing if he comes in. We still need a right-sided centre-back. Um, latest reports are Antonio Rudiger and Jonathan Tha. Um, I want Tha from Leverkusen. I think he's got the potential to be one of the best centre-backs in the world. He'd cost a lot, but he's worth paying for. Um, we're been, we want Apparently, we want two more midfielders in. Um, Peter Zielinski, the Polish midfielder at Empoli, owned by Udinese. That deal looks done. Uh, he was pictured in a Liverpool jersey last week, uh, messing around with some friends. He's been very positive in his words about Liverpool. Um, and it does look like that deal is, is pretty close to being done. So, like, if if you take into account he's almost done and Karios is done, plus the three I mentioned, that's pretty much five new players coming in. And um, we'll probably add another three, a right-sided centre-back. I think we'll add a top, a top midfielder. Um... I think Jordan Henderson might be the one who leaves. I could see someone like Jonas Geis from Schalke, maybe. Or Heusberg, who was at Schalke on loan, uh, is leaving Bayern Munich. Maybe he comes in. He's young. He's not quite the finished article by any stretch. He's not at the top midfielder, but he's one that has the potential to be that. Um, And I think we'll sign an attacker. We were heavily heavily linked with Usman Dembele. He's chosen to go to uh, Borussia Dortmund. and who can blame him? You're going to go play with Mkhitaryan, Royce, and Aubameyang. You're going to have the time of your life there, kid. Um, Brie Lembolo, the striker slash left winger from uh, Baal, he's been linked heavily now in the last couple of days. And he looks like one that we do like. So I think we're going to sign eight players this summer, at least possibly even nine. I think there's going to be a big clear out. But the, the key positions for me that have to be filled are goalkeeper, right-sided centre-back and defensive midfielder. We needed these positions filled when Brendan Rodgers took over. In fact, scratch that. We needed those positions filled when Roy Hodgson took over. When Mascherano mm-hmm. left, we needed a defensive midfielder. We haven't signed one. Um, we've been 
you know, putting up with Martin Skirtle at right side centre back. This season it's been Lovren, neither of them close to good enough. And Reina had dropped off massively in his last couple of years and Mignolet just isn't up to it. So, you know, they're the three positions we need. Anything else on top of that would be a bonus. All right, and if those are the things that happen and you are in the Champions League, actually, uh, I'm going <laughs> to segue away from that um, to talk about what what do you make of the possibility of not winning the final tomorrow? I know I, I don't want to bring that evil into the world, but no, if it I doesn't mean, like, happen, it's... do you think it has a big effect on the club? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I think it, it, we're playing with house money. Klopp is playing with house money now. Nobody expected this. At the start of the season... Given how, we, how pathetic we'd been in Europe under Rodgers, given the you know the waving of the white flag at the Bernabeu and in the home game against Baal in the Champions League last year, um, disgraceful actions by Rodgers. I, th- I don't think people had any faith in a European campaign this year. And even when Klopp took over, he was kind of fiddling with the team, playing younger players and experimenting a little bit. And, you know, no, none of us thought we'd get this far, especially when we drew Dortmund. And then to top it off, we were 3-1 down with half an hour left. Um, and we managed to come back and beat them. Then we got Villarreal. We lost over there. We brought them back to Anfield and we hammered them. Um, we're, we've done so well to get this far that I think people will take the positives from it. Like It'll be a bummer if we don't win. Obviously, people are going to be upset. But I don't think it has a negative effect on the club and where the club is going. Um, it maybe limits the level of player you can attract because obviously certain players will want to play in the Champions League. But like the guys I've mentioned, you know, Jonathan Tha, uh, Jonas Geis, Breel and Bolo, like, and Bolo will be in the Champions League because Bal will be in it because, you know, they walk the Swiss League each year and they get, they get into Europe and they play and whatever. That's fine. But guys, Schalke wouldn't be in it. Uh, Leverkusen wouldn't be in it. So, you know, the, the players we seem to be targeting, aren't players who are already at Champions League clubs. They're players who are in their early 20s and still have you know many, many years to get into the Champions League. And then the selling point is, look, we're not in the Champions League this year, but you're signing a five-year contract. Four of those years are going to be in the Champions League. Come and make a difference. You know, I think Klopp is, is going to be able to help attract players regardless of whether we're in the Champions League or not. All right, and what will your objectives be in the season 2016-2017? If we don't win the Europa League and we're not in the Champions League, I think the objective is going to be to try and win the Premier League title. Um, having seen this season Leicester City win the Premier League, um, you guys, Spurs, come pretty close, although you fell away at the end. Um, I think the Premier League is wide open. Uh, we know Guardiola's coming, so City are going to be better. We know Conte's coming, so Chelsea will be better. But they've got lots and lots of work to do. Um, and Guardiola's mission is going to be to win the Champions League at City. That's where his main focus is going to have to be. So I, I think if we're not in Europe, you know, the, ob- the objective is going to be go and try and win the league. And if you don't win the league, at least finish in the top four. Um, you know, kind of aim for the stars and touch the ceiling type of thing. Um if we do win tonight and we are in Europe, I think top four um, and, a, and a round of 16 in the Champions League is, is realistic enough mm. because I think we'll, we'll have the squad. We'll have a decent-sized squad. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it just depends on what happens tonight. 
Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us for this. You and I, of course, are going to be doing some uh, stuff in the off season that we'll talk about more as it gets more nailed down. Uh, and hopefully we'll uh, get to have you on for some of our Euro stuff as, as that draws near. But uh, thank you so much for your contributions throughout the season and we'll speak soon. Thanks a million, Kev. Take care. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And now joining us is Dan from Twitter account Baggies Facts and potentially in the future, again, website baggiesfacts.com. <laughs> um, but we'll start off with uh, how you viewed this season for West Bromwich Albion. What was your overall takeaway from this season? Um, boredom, frustration, um, boredom, um, frustration, and a bit more frustration and boredom to be honest it was just I, I made a comment on my twitter feed uh just a couple of days ago that it, it's you know it's probably the uh the least exciting season i've been through as a, a baggies fan um there were quite a lot of people that that came back with comments such as uh well you're not about in the mid 90s etc of which i replied no because i'm just 28 years old nearly so i wasn't um so yeah, for me, and, and regardless of what league you're in, anyway, it does. There's, there's lots of things that, that have a say on on how how your reflection of the season has been, and having to watch the performances that we have done over the course of a whole season, when it's not just you can forgive five or six individual performances throughout a season of a club our size where we don't turn up we don't put any effort in or whatever the case may be, we struggle and we get battered by a better team because that's going to happen. But what you cannot accept is starting defensively against Watford at home or starting defensively against Bournemouth at home or etc. etc. You know, it, it, you know, if you're going to get to Chelsea or you're going to get to United, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, City and and set up defensively and look to try and hit teams on the counter-attack or, or as Pulis prefers, to score from um, corners and free kicks, then that's fine. That's absolutely fine. We accept our place in the structure and uh, of the Premier League. We're about the 15th, 16th best team. But maybe maybe a little bit better than that sometimes. But, you know, um, you get the picture. We're, we're, not, we're not expecting, you know, we're not expecting to see... Uh, to see stupendous runs from inside our own half where, where we've got the players with the ability to beat four men, stick one in the top corner and then, and then you know, beat teams four and five nil. But on, on the return from that, we, we, we 
cannot we cannot just accept that we're going to put in 15 oh, no exaggeration 15 or 16 performances this season where there has been absolutely nothing to get excited about the atmosphere at the Hawthorns this season has been worse than I've ever known it um it's yet yeah, fair enough occasionally we'll get the three points and it'll it'll tot up our tally um and we'll get to 40 points but in terms of excitement and wanting to be around the club and wanting to, to be part of it and wanting to go to away matches and do all the things that I'm so used to doing it's just the club is is you know uh, uh, it's it'd be more enticing for someone to give me two pins and stick them directly into my eyeballs <laughs> so perhaps not a glowing review but if you did have one positive moment of the season what would you say was the best moment um the final whistle on the last game of the season <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's, yeah, I mean, there are positives. You know, we, we've got a point at, um, we, we've gone and got a point at Anfield. We've we've beat Manchester United at home. Um, we've got points at Chelsea and we've got a point at Leicester. Um, we've, we've picked up some decent results. We've got a point at Tottenham. Um, but on the whole, I mean, I don't know. I, I would probably say, personally for me, Beating Everton 1-0 away from home um, and Everton having 37 shots at goal and Albion having about 23% possession was just really funny. As much as it it, it, it was typical Pulis, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the day out. So maybe that. Um, I would probably go for um, beating Arsenal 2-1 at home. Um, although I wasn't at the game, that was probably the high point for, for the club. But as you can imagine, that game also was two goals, one shot on target. I think you know it was uh, it was uh, you know it was more luck probably than than anything else. Um, I, I can't even say that beating Villa was a highlight of the season really, because. You know, every man and their dog has managed to beat Aston Villa this season, apart from Newcastle. Yeah, and then we failed to beat Newcastle twice. So, uh, <laughs> it's funny how all of that weird stuff circles around. Um, so, arguably, your best moment of the season may just be that Villa went down then, it sounds. Uh, well, Tony Pulis keeps on banging the drum about us being the only West Midlands club. So, yeah, if it's good enough for the man in the cap. <laughs> Then it has to be good enough for us, lot, I suppose. Do you think cap sales have spiked with Pulis's tenure at the club? Uh, for the initial two months when he joined, maybe. And then there's been a steep decline ever since. Yeah. <laughs> ever since interest in him <laughs> staying there has dropped. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that uh, <laughs> we'll have to hold on for a second. Um, who in this troubling season were your player and young player of the season? Player of the season would be Johnny Evans, without a doubt. Um, a absolute class, class, class player. Um, in terms of centre-halves, I've got no idea why Man United got rid of him and, and they've kept hold of so many players that aren't that special. Um, I'd say that Johnny Evans 
if anyone wants to dispute this with me, I'd be happy to spend a good amount of my time having the conversation. Johnny Evans is the best centre-half outside of the top four or five clubs. And we're very lucky to have him on board. So, uh, so yeah, he's... Uh, just, just by the fact his sheer quality, he's been our he's, he's been our best player this season. Fair enough. And young player. Um, do you know what? Based on three performances at the end of the season, um, and the potential for him for him going forward, and the fact that you couldn't get any younger, he's the first player to have been born in nineteen ninety nine to feature in any Premier League game. I would say that Jonathan Lico's future is extremely bright. From what I've seen of him at the Hawthorns in or in, in Albion matches the last three games, um, he's got a lot of talent. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd, that's I mean that, that's it really. I mean we we do have on average the oldest team in the Premier League. So searching for a young player of the season, you're going to be looking at 24 year olds. That's fair. Now we will head back into the Pulis conversation. We're asking everybody how they feel about their managers. I have a feeling I know which way this is going to go. No, but, but. Uh, look, I, I genuinely don't. I'm not one of these that that were dead set against Pulis joining when he did and completely hate him because of the way he plays. I accept that he was the perfect man to bring in at that time when we were struggling. And if he would have been willing to adapt his methods ever so slightly as we thought he would do and as I've, we've been with you know as we've been willing him to do throughout the season then absolutely absolutely fine you know he speaks well he's got a good image um the press like him he does everything right he, he's, he's on the edge of the touchline he shouts at his players he, he gets everything that he needs out of his players he's well respected he is a, a you can't undoubtedly he is a top coach, but it you can only, the only people that will understand this are 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 Stoke City fans and no West Bromwich Albion fans. Some of the football at times is mind-numbingly painful to watch, and so unfortunately, I'd love to see Pulis stick with his. You know, if you want to play four centre halves across across the back four, absolutely fine. But as long as we've got some cracking wingers and so, uh, you know a, 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 an attacking midfielder that's going to open up defences, balanced play, acceptable. You know, like we saw under Hodgson, that would be absolutely fine. But you know, when when we've when some of our starting lineups and some of the substitutions are absolutely beyond me. Um. We just want to see a bit more of a positive approach because as as football fans, we go to the game, we want to get up for it, we want to see tackles flying in and we want to see chances at goal. But if you're having to watch 90 minutes of the other team bossing possession every single week and you're just feeding off the scraps and then sometimes you're doing that and it's, you know... the it's completely boring on top of that and you're not really creating any chances. I mean, uh, my, my stat this year is that in seven complete matches, we have failed to register a single shot on target. You know, Oof. that's that's like, what, we're talking about a fifth of the season, maybe. I'm, I'm not great at math, so you might be have to correct me on that one. About a fifth of the season, 
where we've we've we're not even sh- we've we've not even shot at the goalkeeper. We've not even made their goalkeeper move. You know, uh, it's just frustrating. So my issue isn't put- with Pulis the man and what he brings. My issue with, is with the fact that he's so stubborn and unable to he just adapt his methods and because of that if you were to give me the option of saying Pudis will change his ways I'd say happy to to let him stay absolutely but if you give me the option of Pudis staying and being worse or completely the same as as he has been this season it is just going to ruin our club not in terms of will of of structure and in terms of bringing in money and being a Premier League club but in terms of fans just not really being that interested anymore. Obviously, regardless of what you do with the managers, there will be some changes in the squad. What positions do you think you'll most likely strengthen this summer? Striker. Um, I would say with the potential for Berahino leaving, um, we also may see Lambert leave. <clears throat> and Anichi B has already said he's on his way. That leaves us with Solomon Rondon. Um, and... Lico, who's who's uh, potentially a striker slash um, attacking winger kind of player. Um, so we're gonna need firepower. Um, Rondon's proved his worth this season. If Rondon's playing for a club like Southampton or West Ham or Everton or you know a club of that that, that does like to. Um, go over the halfway line a couple of times a match. Then I think Rondon scores twenty goals this season. He scored ten in a in a team that just doesn't create chances. You know, fair play to him. Um, if you could give him someone um, to feed off the scraps along with him, then I, I think that would be uh, that would be cracking. Personally, I'd like to see us go for um, Naismith from from a relegated team in Norwich. Um, very affordable um, and, and a player that given the opportunity, uh, can, can bang the goals in. Yeah, I, I personally am not sure that uh, Tottenham will still be in for Berahino, but if we were, would you be interested at all in a hypothetical swap that would involve Ryan Mason? You can give me, you, can, you could give me a fiver, mate, and I'd sell him, yeah, because I just don't <laughs> like his attitude. You know, uh, yeah, give us Mason. In fact, re-sign Townsend and then give us Townsend. Well, why don't Happy. you just sign Townsend? He has a half uh, sell-on fee from uh, Newcastle now that they've gone down. Yeah, he shouldn't be anywhere near the England squad, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'd be interested in, in whatever deal was willing to be had. Um, do you think you'll be in for wingers? Because at times this season you've just had a glute of central midfielders that you just kind of force out on the wing. We sign wingers like McManaman, like Gnabry, yeah. um, like... Uh, the young lad who we had on loan from yourselves. Oh, Pritchard, quote-unquote. Pritchard, yeah. Um, and we don't play them because mm. Tony Pulis... The, the problem is with most wingers that aren't at the top, top highest level is that their defensive capabilities aren't always up to scratch and then that means that there's a massive bedding in period for them at our club. Um, which then means that Pudis just ends up freezing them out. So, it, you know, it would be great to to see players given the freedom to go and uh, to go and you know do something special. 
Um, but those kinds of players, I think, are probably out of our reach, especially seeing as they know that Pudis is our, our, our manager. I'd have loved to have seen us keep uh, Stefan Sessegnon, um, but it looks like even he's going to be on, on his way out now. All right, and with all of that taking place, what do you think the objectives will be for your club next season? Always, go on, Kev, say it for me. What's what's Albion's objectives every season? Um, staying up? Yeah. <laughs> it yep. has to be. It has to be to stay up. Um, I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves. If we were to, even if we was to get a new manager who was forward thinking, it's, the objective is, is always going to have to be to stay up. Um because it's you know we understand where we are, and, and it only takes a few slip ups to be in amongst it, as Newcastle and Villa fans will tell you. All right, and any final thoughts to wrap up this season? Pass me the pins. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on throughout the season and, and on today as well. And uh, we look forward to speaking soon. And assume we'll talk about something during the Euros. We're still not sure how we're going to format that, but uh, we will be doing something around that, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. Yeah, look forward to it, Kev. Cheers. Thanks a lot. All right, well, this one was a little shorter than previous episodes, but that is still it for today's show. Thanks again to our guests for joining us, and if you'd like to follow them on Twitter, you can find Dave at DaveHendrick underscore AI and Dan at Facts. We still have plenty of reviews coming for you tomorrow, so we hope you keep listening. <laughs>